0: personally saw nothing of, I have put into narrative form from the particulars given me. I consider you, Brett, he said, addressing me, the most remarkable journalist alive, not because you're particularly clever, you know, because between ourselves I hope you'll admit you're not, but because you have known something of me and my doings for some years, and have never yet been guilty of giving away any of my little business secrets you may have "'become acquainted with. "'I'm afraid you're not so enterprising a journalist as some, Brett, "'but now since you ask, you shall write something, "'if you think it worth while. "'This he said, as he said most things, "'with a cheery, chaffing good nature "'that would have been perhaps surprising to a stranger "'who thought of him only as a grim and mysterious discoverer "'of secrets and crimes. "'Indeed, the man had always as little of the aspect "'of the conventional detective as may be imagined.' Nobody could appear more cordial or less observant in manner, although there was to be seen a certain sharpness of the eye, which might, after all, only be the twinkle of good humour. I did think it worthwhile to write something of Martin Hewitt's investigations, and a description of one of his adventures follows. At the head of the first flight of a dingy staircase, leading up from an ever-open portal in a street by the Strand, stood a door. "'the dusty ground glass upper panel of which "'carried in its centre the single word Hewitt, "'while at its right-hand lower corner in smaller letters "'clerks' office appeared. "'On a morning when the clerks in the ground-floor offices "'had barely hung up their hats, "'a short, well-dressed young man, wearing spectacles, "'hastening to open the dusty door, "'ran into the arms of another man who suddenly issued from it. "'I beg your pardon.' "'The first said. "'Is this Hewitt's detective agency office?' "'Yes, I believe you will find it so,' the other replied. "'He was a stoutish, clean-shaven man of middle height, "'and of a cheerful, round countenance. "'You better speak to the clerk.' "'In the little outer office the visitor was met by a sharp lad with inky fingers, "'who presented him with a pen and a printed slip. "'The printed slip, having been filled with the visitor's name and present business,' and conveyed through an inner door, the lad reappeared with an invitation to the private office. There, behind a writing-table, sat the stoutish man himself, who had only just advised an appeal to the clerk. Good morning, Mr. Lloyd, Mr. Vernon Lloyd, he said affably, looking again at the slip. You'll excuse my care to start even with my visitors. I must, you know. You come from Sir James Norris, I see yes i am his secretary i have only to ask you to go straight to lenton at once if you can on very important business sir james would have wired but had not your precise address can you go by the next train eleven thirty is the first available from paddington quite possibly do you know anything of the business it is a case of a robbery in the house or rather i fancy of several robberies "'Jewelry has been stolen from the rooms occupied by visitors to the croft. "'The first case occurred some months ago, nearly a year ago, in fact. "'Last night there was another, but I think you had better get the details on the spot. "'Sir James has told me to telegraph if you are coming, "'so that he may meet you himself at the station, "'and I must hurry, as his drive to the station will be rather a long one. "'Then, I take it, you will go, Mr. Hewitt? "'Tryford is the station.' Yes, I shall come, and by the eleven-thirty are you going by that train yourself? No, I have several things to attend to now. I am in town. Good morning. I shall wire at once. Mr. Martin Hewitt locked the drawer of his table and sent his clerk for a cab at Twyford station. Sir James Norris was waiting with a dog-cart. Sir James was a tall, florid man of fifty or a thereabout, known away from home as something of a county historian and nearer his own parts as a great supporter of the hunt, and a gentleman much troubled with poachers. As soon as he and Hewitt had found one another, the baronet hurried the detective into his dog cart "'We've something over seven miles to drive,' he said, "'and I can tell you all about this wretched business as we go. Uh, "'That is why I came for you myself and alone.' Hewitt nodded. I have sent for you, as Lloyd probably told you, because of a robbery at my place last evening. It appears, as far as I can guess, to be one of three by the same hand, or by the same gang, late yesterday afternoon. Pardon me, Sir James, Hewitt interrupted, but I think I must ask you to begin at the first robbery, and tell me the whole tale in proper order. It makes things clearer, and sets them in their proper shape. Very well. Eleven months ago, or thereabout, I had rather a large party of visitors, and among them Colonel Heath and Mrs. Heath, the lady being a relative of my own late wife. Colonel Heath has not been long retired, you know. Used to be political resident in an Indian native state. Mrs. Heath had rather a good stock of jewellery, of one sort and another, about the most valuable piece being a bracelet set with a particularly fine pearl, quite an exceptional pearl, in fact, that had been one of a heap of presents from the Maharaja of his state when Heath left India. It was a very noticeable bracelet, the gold setting being a mere featherweight piece of native filigree work, almost too fragile to trust on the wrist and the pearl being, as I have said, of a size and quality not often seen. Well, Heath and his wife arrived late one evening, and after lunch the following day, most of the men being off by themselves shooting, I think, my daughter, my sister, who is very often down here, and Mrs. Heath took it into their heads to go walking, fern hunting, and so on. My sister was rather long-dressing, and while they waited, my daughter went into Mrs. Heath's room where Mrs. Heath turned over all her treasures to show her, as women do, you know. When my sister was at last ready, they came straight away, leaving the things littering about the room rather than stay longer to pack them up. The bracelet with other things was on the dressing table then. One moment. As to the door? They locked it. As they came away, my daughter suggested turning the key, as we had one or two new servants about. And the window? That they left open, as I was going to tell you. Well, they went on their walk, and they came back, with Lloyd, whom they had met somewhere, carrying their ferns for them. It was dusk, and almost dinner-time. Mrs. Heath went straight to her room, and the bracelet was gone. Was the room disturbed? Not a bit. Everything was precisely where it had been left except the bracelet. The door hadn't been tampered with, but of course the window was open, as I have told you. You called the police, of course? Yes, and had a man from Scotland Yard down in the morning. He seemed a pretty smart fellow, and the first thing he noticed on the dressing table, within an inch or two of where the bracelet had been, was a match, which had been lit and thrown down. Now, nobody about the house had had occasion to use a match in that room that day. And if they had, certainly wouldn't have thrown it on the cover of the dressing table. So that, uh, presuming the thief to have used that match, the robbery must have been committed when the room was getting dark, immediately before Mrs. Heath returned, in fact. The thief had evidently struck the match, passed it hurriedly over the various trinkets lying about, and taken the most valuable. Nothing else was even moved. Nothing at all. Then the thief must have escaped by the window, although it was not quite clear how, The walking party approached the house with a full view of the window, but saw nothing, although the robbery must have been actually taking place at a moment or two before they turned up. There was no water pipe within any practicable distance of the window, but a ladder, usually kept in the stable yard, was found lying along the edge of the lawn. The gardener explained, however, that he had put the ladder there after using it himself early in the afternoon. Of course, it might easily have been used again after that and put back, Just what the Scotland Yard man said, he was pretty sharp, too, on the gardener, but very soon decided that he knew nothing of it. No stranger had been seen in the neighborhood, nor had passed the large gates. Besides, as the detective said, it scarcely seemed the work of a stranger. A stranger could scarcely have known enough to go straight to the room where a lady only arrived the day before, had left a valuable jewel, and away again without being seen. So all the people about the house were suspected in turn. The servants offered in a body to have their boxes searched, and this was done. Everything was turned over, from the butlers to the new kitchen-maids. I don't know that I should have had this carried quite so far, if I had been the loser myself, but it was my guest, and I was in such a horrible